Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this week. He says, Carol, I don't know what to do. I feel like I can't take the ongoing betrayal that I'm experiencing from my husband. He's been with over 50 prostitutes, and he does not seem to be able to stop. Yes, he participates in the recovery program. Yes, he goes to 12-step. Yes, he sees a CSAT. What can I do about this? Is there anything I can do to make it easier for him? Well, you know, we typically hear, issues like this, where it seems like no matter what a sex addict does, he has difficulty maintaining sobriety. And I maintain he's not utilizing all of his tools. He's working one or two of them. You know, you would not believe how many sex addicts go to meetings three times a week and never work the 12-step program. They never do the 12-step work to create the transformation they need. And so you all probably know, if you've listened to my show, that I ascribe to at least 10 recovery tools to utilize weekly. And the first five do have to do with a recovery program of some sort. Maybe that's Recovery Nation through the Internet. Maybe that's Smart Recovery for people that just can't do the higher power thing. Uh, They like the cognitive behavioral therapy approach much better. Or there's 12-step work, which I highly endorse. So if that's the case, you know, are you going to as many meetings that you need? Now, clearly, I believe you need lots of meetings if you keep slipping or relapsing. And you need to have a very strong sponsor with good, good recovery time. And you need to be reading the green book every single day. Maybe that's a paragraph. Maybe that's a page. I believe in divine intervention. I believe if you're doing the reading every day, I don't care how much it is, it will help to build and fortify those sexual addiction recovery bones. Okay, after that, then what do you need? Well, you need to do the 12-step work. I just talked about it. And you need to call people in the fellowship. Yes, you need to help people, and you may gravitate towards people that are having the same amount of problems as you. But if you're slipping and sliding and, and, and relapsing, you need to surround yourself 
with strong recovery people. You know, I am a mental health therapist and a coach, and one of my coaching principles is you are as strong as the five people you hang out with daily or weekly. And so you have to look at your environment and say, who do I want to emulate? Who do I want to be just like? Who do I want to hang out with that has what I really want? So those are the five tools. Now, on the other five, you know, this woman said that her husband is seeing a CSAT. Okay, that's a good start. And, you know, we I'm a CSAT, too, and that stands for Certified Sexual Addictions Therapist. And I've got great advice. I've got great tools. I've got great um, structure. However, if the person's not ready, what I realize is I'm not strong enough. You know, when I've got somebody who says, hey, I come to see you, why aren't I getting better? I say, because you're not doing the other nine tools. Now, you really should also be in a sex addicts therapy group. I get that you, if you live in a place where there is not that group available, that might be one of those that you can't do. But good CSATs typically offer sex addict groups. And, you know, that's where crosstalk can occur. That's where you do your work and you get feedback and you're held accountable by the group. And everybody interacts with everybody else to keep them on board. Then, are you doing your meditation and or your praying? Very important to the program to quiet the mind, to listen for what it is that you need to strengthen for your recovery. Are you journaling? Are you reading recovery materials? Are you reading inspirational materials? That's number eight. Now, here's the tough one. Number nine, recovery tool number nine is are you putting in place tools that will slow you down from acting out? You know, I've got men that can't get on the Internet anymore. They can't get on at all. I know you're sitting there thinking, oh, dear God, I couldn't live if I couldn't get on the Internet. Well, guess what? Yes, you could. Yes, it's tough, but your life does not have to be thrown off track by your phone, porn in the pocket, or by your laptop. Okay, if you can't do that, do you have covenant eyes? Are your reports going to your wife? Do you have canine? Do you ascribe to certain filtering systems? That's what I want to know. Do you go to a polygrapher? And have yourself tested for your wife four times a year so that she's assured that you will not act out. If you put those filters and those accountability tools into place, you will do a lot better. And then the last one is do you ascribe to healthy outer circle behaviors? Are you going to church? Are you going to temple? Do you have a hobby? Are you exercising? Do you paint? Do you do woodworking? Uh, are you playing with the kids? Are you going swimming? Are you having date night? Are you going to meetup.com if you're not married and not in a, a relationship? If you're doing those ten things with vigor, and you're doing them regularly, transformation will occur. So for the woman that says, what can I do to help get him on track? I say, you need to set your own boundaries. You know, you can't do his side of the street. You've got to be able to control what you can, which is you. But if he isn't willing to do those things that he's going to need to get healthy, then i got to ask you, are you getting coping skills from Essanon, from COSA, 
um, are you getting, are you going to the support groups you need to go to to figure out how much you're willing to put up with? Now, I understand, because I'm a partner trauma specialist, I know that you really have a lot riding on this. You may not want to break up the family. You um, might not want to be in financial straits because you got a divorce. You may not want to change where you live. And if that's what you choose to do, that's absolutely okay. However... If his slipping and relapsing is affecting your self-esteem, you need to get yourself to a partner specialist so that you can increase your coping skills and your support system so that you're not as affected by his actions if you're going to stay with this person. And, of course, I also am talking to men who stay with women sex addicts. There is so much um, discrimination and misunderstanding when a man loves a woman who's a sex addict. And, you know, I get I get to work with these people, and then so oftentimes they stick with their wives, the sex addict, because they don't want people to know how betrayed they've been. Women can be betrayed, but men are not supposed to be betrayed. So there's extra stigma And then usually I end up getting um, reports that either the women successfully got into recovery or I get reports that eventually the men decided they were no longer going to live their life like that. As a partner of a sex addict, they decided I deserve more, and I applaud them too. Now, i got to tell you, tonight we have an excellent, excellent lineup. We have Michelle Mays, who's the founder and clinical director of the Center for Relational Recovery. And she has offices in Virginia and Washington, D.C. She has over 16 years' experience providing individuals, couples, and group therapy to those struggling with sex addiction, partner betrayal, trauma, and relationship issues. She's a CSAT and a supervisor under Dr. Patrick Carnes, and she's just launched a new website for partners of sex addicts called Partner Hope. So we're going to be talking more about this site and what you can find there. And you can take a look at it right now by going to www.partnerhope.com. And she also has a book that's going to be coming out that she hopes to wrap up later this year. So we're going to hear about that, too. Um, Michelle has a wealth of knowledge, and so if you're a partner, you'll want to stay tuned to this show. And if you're an addict, I always encourage addicts to develop empathy because developing empathy is one of the life skills you need to improve your relationship. And these kind of shows where you're finding out about partner trauma also really, really help you to put yourself in your wife's or husband's shoes and to, to know how they feel when you slip and relapse. Um, I'm real excited about having her on the show, and I'm glad that you're listening tonight. You know, we're over a half a million strong. There are over half a million open downloads a week to this show. Now, unfortunately, not everybody listens on Monday night. But fortunately, they subscribe free through iTunes by putting my name in, Carol Jurgensen Sheets or Carol the Coach. It pulls up both of my Internet blog shows. One is on coaching, and it helps anybody to improve their life. It's called Live Your Best Life with Carol the Coach. And then the second one, of course, is this show, Sex Help with Carol the Coach. I so appreciate you listening, and I can't wait for you to hear tonight's show because uh, Michelle is an amazing navigator of how to help sex addicts work their recovery program, and now she is specializing in betrayal and trauma and relationship issues for the partner. And again, 
she has just launched a new website for partners of sex addicts called Partner Hope. So, Michelle, I am so glad to be welcoming you to the show. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Carol. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Well, you've got a lot of things going on in the works. I mean, you've you've really been busy, haven't you? I have been busy, yes. A lot going on. Well, now tell us about this new project because you know I'm an APSATS uh, certified partner specialist, and I really believe in helping relieve some of the pain that that comes with trauma that typically occurs Mm -hmm. either with sex addicts or with partners. So, what made you decide to start PartnerHope.com? You know, honestly, I had the idea a long, long time ago. I've owned the domain probably for oh, gosh, I want to say six or seven years. I just had this idea many years ago of a resource for partners of sex addicts and other people dealing with betrayal trauma to help them walk through the healing process. And then I started a counseling center, and so I did, it, I did that instead for a while. And then I finally was like, okay, I think it's time to do this, to do this other new project. So Right now I have, right, there's PartnerHope.com, and it's a website, and at the moment what I do is I post a blog every week that is about some aspect of dealing with betrayal trauma uh, for betrayed partners. And then what I'm working on in the background is turning that site into a full membership site for partners. Um, partners of sex addicts and those who are dealing with betrayal trauma that might not be addiction-related but might be about infidelity or something like that in an intimate relationship. So my hope is that eventually we'll have a membership site that walks people through the process of healing from betrayal trauma and provides them with all kinds of tools and resources and community and education, opportunities to connect with one another, with other experts, all kinds of things like that. So that's what's in the works with that project. Yeah, I can see that you really do have a vision and a heart for mm-hmm. partners to trade. So now tell me, you're using that term, betrayal trauma. Can you tell us what that is from your own self and define it for us? Give us some more information about it. Yeah. Well, so betrayal trauma the the word the way it's used kind of in general is to talk about a significant betrayal experienced by somebody that you are attached to who you depend upon and they breach that attachment so they they breach the secure bond that you have with them and the term was really coined originally to deal with looking at um child abuse so people who experienced abuse in their family of origin would have betrayal trauma because they'd be being betrayed by the caregiver who they were completely dependent upon. And so that's how it originally was used, the way that it's kind of morphing and people are using that term in different ways now. The way I'm using it is to talk about betrayal trauma in adult relationships, in adult marriages, adult long-term relationships, and when your significant other, who you are pair bonded with, betrays you in some way that it creates betrayal trauma. And so what I've done at the um, counseling center, the model that we use, we actually call it complex betrayal trauma. And the model that we use is we look at that as three different types of trauma that come together and overlap and intersect with each other and exacerbate each other. So we look at attachment trauma, which is the breach in that secure bond, emotional and psychological trauma, which is the damage from being lied to and gaslighted, and then the sexual trauma that results from the sexual nature of the betrayal for a lot of people. So we look at those three coming together to form complex betrayal trauma for partners. Well, that's a a great description of who's affected and what kind of issues come up that help them to know, yeah, this is more than just I'm having problems with my husband. This is a particular issue that's occurring over and over and over again. So you call it, again, complex betrayal trauma, which is Mm -hmm. kind of like post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress. Is it not? Mm -hmm. 
It is. It's very similar. And the thing that really differentiates complex trauma from like just strict post-traumatic stress disorder is complex trauma is an interrelational trauma. It happens between two people and it tends to be chronic over time. So if you think about a partner of a sex addict, they are in a long-term relationship with somebody who has been betraying them chronically over time and lying to them chronically over time. And it's the damage that comes from having that uh, key relationship breached and betrayed in a chronic way, systematic way over a period of time that really defines complex betrayal trauma or complex trauma as different from PTSD. Got it. So can you give us um, a little more information about each types of trauma that make up complex betrayal trauma? For example, can we talk a bit yeah. more about attachment trauma? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about when we, um, you know, when we enter into a long-term relationship or we get married and we pair bond, as they call it, uh, with our significant other, what actually happens to us, that, whole, that phrase that you, you know, been used for decades and decades, the two shall become one, is actually true. You know, it turns out it actually is true because when, when we bond with somebody else in a long-term relationship, we actually become one physiological unit. So our partner actually starts to regulate our heart rate, our breathing, the level of hormones, our cortisol levels. There's all kinds of uh, bodily systems that we co-regulate in this unit that we form with our partner. And so our attachment to our partner goes far beyond just being mentally connected to them or emotionally, I love them. You know, it goes far beyond that. There's a true sort of mysterious attachment at a bodily level that is occurring. And so when you're in that kind of system and you experience betrayal and you thought this person was the person who you could trust and you could depend on and they were your person in the world, you know, and all of a sudden they have betrayed everything they, that you thought you knew about them and they've betrayed your trust and they've taken advantage of your vulnerability, that wipes out that bond. It severely damages that bond and it sends your body into a traumatic response because now this person who was, you thought they were your secure base, your person that you could be securely attached to, they're now dangerous to you. So they now, they are now threatening your sense of well-being because they have betrayed you. And so that is the trauma that comes from, that's what we talk about when we talk about attachment trauma. It's that breaking of the secure bond and the damage to your system and your bodily system when you experience that level of betrayal, if that makes sense. Yeah, tell me what kind of symptoms then would somebody experience as they're dealing with this severe attachment trauma? Mm-hmm. You know, I think for most people that the big one word that covers a world of symptoms would be dysregulated. You know, they're, because their body is experiencing this, they lose the, the ability to actually regulate their emotional self because now they're in fear. They're in terror. Everything has become uncertain. Everything has become painful. Everything has become full of um, fear and panic. And so their entire amygdala, their whole system of flight, fight, freeze is highly, highly activated. And what we know is when that happens, the thinking, our thinking capacity is lowered because of what happens in the brain. And so you don't have the ability to reason super well, and you're in this highly, highly activated emotional state. So the symptoms for partners vary across the board. You know, I basically tell everybody, whatever you're experiencing, it is normal. Because it can, it can range from somebody who can't stop crying to somebody who can't cry. You know, it can right. be somebody. Certainly, when feels, that executive functioning has, when you 
do affect that prefrontal cortex and the executive functioning is affected, mm-hmm. you may not be able to speak, you may not be able to think, mm-hmm. or you may have thoughts. I mean, things that yeah. just don't go away because the executive functioning is so damaged from the amygdala going into that fight, flight, or freeze. Right. Right. It's just not online for you the way it usually is. And so, you know, you can't, it's hard to reason. It's hard to manage yourself. It's hard to, and for a lot of partners, it's like being on a wild emotional uh, roller coaster that you have no control over. And your moods fluctuate really wildly and highly. And one minute you're crying, the next minute you're enraged, the next minute you're sad. The next minute you're a little bit hopeful, then you're back to crying again. You know, I think I think it's it varies wide, widely for people. Well, I know, and when women especially experience this, they typically may participate in behaviors they would never have even thought they were capable of doing, like punching their husband or throwing mm-hmm. water on him or pushing mm-hmm. him, you know, and, and they'll say, what is wrong with me? And that's emotion mm-hmm. dysregulation. Mm-hmm. So that occurs, um, you said, oftentimes as a result of feeling the deep wounding of trauma attachment. Yeah, of the attachment trauma. So of the attachment being broken and your sense that you can no longer trust this person. And in fact, the person who you thought was the most safe person for you has now actually become the most dangerous person for you. Because they're yeah, the source makes... of the pain. So what do you end up doing for that kind of person? A, you validate that what they're going through is normal. You explain mm-hmm. why they're doing it. And then mm-hmm. what do you subscribe or subscribe to to help somebody who's experiencing this dysregulation? You know, I think, like you said, naming it is so important. Because I think for, for many partners, they've lost themselves. You know, I think there's a double whammy. They've lost who they thought their spouse or significant other was because now all of a sudden they're a strange person that they didn't, they didn't have any idea this double life was happening. But they've also lost themselves, like their own normal reactions to things, their own normal coping capacity has all kind of gone missing all of a sudden. And so I think there's a world of validating and naming and normalizing that for them that needs to happen, that they're not crazy, they're not unhinged. This is this is how trauma impacts people. And this is how betrayal trauma impacts people. And I think when you start to name it and give them language, just having some language to articulate your experience actually starts to contain it a little bit. And just just that is very, very relieving to people to start to feel normal, feel validated, and have some language to put around it. So I think that's the first thing you do, as you said. And I think then people need a roadmap. They need to have a sense that, okay, there's actually a way to go through this process and come out on the other side and be okay. You know, they need, and they need to have a, an idea that there's actually a path to follow. Not that it's a uniform path and not that everybody – does the exact same thing because everybody gets to be their own unique snowflake, right? <laughs> but there, right. Is actually a, there is actually a path through. And I think people need to know that because it feels like, oh, my goodness, what's happened to me? How will I ever feel normal again? How will I ever feel okay again? What do I do? I think that, I think giving them hope, they really need hope that they can heal from it, that they can feel better. And then I think they need community around them. You know, the biggest if your secure base is wiped out or severely damaged, so you can no longer be attached to your spouse the way you were previously, because now you found out, oh, he has an addiction, and he's actually not very stable himself. He's not really somebody that I can continue to go to right now until he gets some healing and recovery on board. When that happens, well, I know, and so oftentimes they're in that dilemma of, if they are emotionally dysregulated and they're telling everybody about what happened to them, they end up having to deal with the recourse of everybody is against him, everybody hates him, everybody wants her to divorce him, 
and they're all of a sudden in a position of defending him, especially if he gets healthier. And if they don't say anything about it and they don't have anybody to talk to, if they don't go to support groups, and if they keep it all in, it's very hard to regulate that emotion because that's too much for one person to be able to cope with. No, I mean, we know that dealing with trauma, one of the primary ways is that you have to be socially connected and bonded with other people. So you have to find, uh, you have to find your people in the middle of betrayal trauma. You know, you have to find the folks who are not going to turn against your spouse, are not going to try to make your decisions for you, are not going to be impatient with how long the process takes. They're going to be um, in your corner supporting you, withholding judgment, withholding assumptions, you know, and being a support to you. And I think everybody has to kind of do the job of figuring out who's safe for me. You know, who's my safe friend, my safe family member that I can go to and they can be on my team during this. They can be my support and they can be become like an alternative secure base for me for a while. They're the people I call when I'm really dysregulated and need to calm down and they're the people I turn to for comfort. You know, they're the people so that I turn to for So then do you have groups of women that have gone through this kind of trauma or do you refer them out? Do you have support groups that you think are specifically helpful for partner betrayal? Well, so at the, at the counseling center, so the counseling center that I uh, run is the Center for Relational Recovery. We have a treatment program that is designed for what we do is we treat the addict, the partner, and the couple all at the same time simultaneously. And so as part of that treatment program, we have a series of groups that people do. The heart of our treatment is groups. Everybody that's, everybody that's in treatment for sex addiction and partner trauma is in group. Um, and everybody goes through a group treatment process. So we do that at the center. But I think there are some other good communities of support. I think you have to, again, use your own wisdom to find the right the right meeting. But I know, like, in our area, we have a fantastic SNN meeting that tons of people go to and get a lot of help. There's a lot of solid um, recovery and uh, women in there that have, are farther down the road who mentor the other women that are new. Uh, there's COSA meeting. Doesn't APSATS have a version of a 12-step meeting? I can't remember. Uh, no, not specifically, but they have a lot of recovery coaches that have online Skype and Zoom coaching mm-hmm. for women. And so mm-hmm. those are the kind of meetings that typically um, are held. And I'd say we probably have 30 of them within the organization, so you don't have to specifically go to a location you get to use mm-hmm. telephone or Zoom and and work with these people via a Skype kind of thing. Zoom is HIPAA compliant, so that's what they use. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, that and you know what? I, and they're run by coaches, and, uh, and most of our coaches have been through the process of betrayal. So they've been there, done that, and have turned their wounding into their own mental health and are now paying it forward by uh, creating groups for other women because I agree with you, community is so important. you got to have mm-hmm. your peeps and you got to have safe people to be right. able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's huge for folks. And I'm so glad you said that about your SNN because sometimes um, I find that SNN can get stuck if there's – people that are really wounded and they just stay stuck and they emote and they emote and they don't look at ways of making themselves feel better. They don't go through that 12-step process that's going to renew them, it's going to teach them about self-care, it's going to support them, and it's going to give them hope, strength, and recovery. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. That's why I said I think you have to kind of discern whether each 12-step meeting, of course, has its own conglomeration of people and its own sort of ethos and sense to it. And I think you have to use your discernment about, can I get help here? Or is this actually going to be a place that just keeps me kind of stuck? You know, yeah. and you have to use your discernment about that and figure out, 
because there are really, really great groups out there. And then there are some groups that are more just a bunch of people helping each other stay stuck. So Right. They, they're trying to help, but because they, they aren't following the integrity of what the group is supposed to do, they end mm-hmm. up not making the changes that they need to make. Now, let me ask mm-hmm. you something, because obviously we're talking about your new website, www.partnerhope.com. And this is a place where men and women can go if they've been betrayed, if they have attachment trauma or emotional or psychological trauma or even sexual trauma. Um, Tell me a little bit about the differences between those three types of trauma. You've already talked about attachment trauma. Now tell us about the other two. Right. So the emotional and psychological trauma really deals with the element of the betrayal that involves being lied to systematically and chronically over a long period of time and having your reality manipulated by um, by the person that you often trust more than almost anybody else in the world. You often trust your significant other so much. And so emotional and psychological trauma looks at the impact of that. And what we do is we talk about four different types of emotional and psychological trauma. And we also, we also, also name it as emotional abuse, which I think is really you know, when we when we do that in our group, our first group that everybody goes to at the center, you can kind of hear everybody in the room gulp. You know, mm-hmm. because it is a it is a big word and it is a hard word, and yet I think we have to have integrity in the sense of saying, when you are doing this to somebody, when you are robbing them of their ability to perceive reality accurately, that is emotional abuse. And so we have to name that. We name it with compassion, but we we do kind of go at it straight on. And then we talk about, you know, there's four different types of that. So there's just straight up lie, which is I went to get a haircut and I really went to a massage parlor and had a hand job. And then there is reality manipulation, which is, you know, talking somebody into a completely alternate reality. So, for example, I'm thinking of a client, and I've actually heard this story from more than one person, unbelievably, who went to the doctor, found out they had an STD, and came home and said to their spouse, I found out I had an STD, what's been going on? And their spouse cried and complained and said, oh, my goodness, you've cheated on me. You've had an affair. I can't believe it. You've hurt me so badly. And they went on at such length and held on to that lie for so long and were so hurt that my client actually started to think that maybe she had forgotten the an affair that she had, mm-hmm. that maybe she had somehow forgotten. And I had another client tell me she thought she had uh, multiple personalities in a time affair. And so that's reality manipulation. You know, that's when you, you separate the person from their ability to perceive reality. And, um, and then the other two forms are scapegoating and coercion. So scapegoating is, of course, blaming the partner for what's happening and coercion is coercing the partner into believing or accepting things that they find unacceptable and coercing them over time into telling them something is wrong with them that they're not okay with, you know, you staying late at work, but never calling home to say what's happening or different behaviors that open the door to acting out sexually. So that's what we're. You know, it's interesting because truly I have a lot of um, sex addicts that would never do any of this stuff and they don't gaslight and they really feel so much remorse and they come to the groups and they hold each other accountable and they develop empathy for the partner and they help each other to see the special um, attention that they need to provide to the partner. I mean, they're incredible. But when you do get somebody who gaslights like you just talked about, who manipulates so badly that the partner starts wondering, could she have multiple personalities? Did she have amnesia? You know, those are the stories that really stick out and remind you how insidious this behavior can get when somebody is either in that much denial or that need to control and manipulate like that. I mean, 
that is, you know, the betrayal isn't just obviously having an STD. It is being lied to. It is being made to feel crazy. And mm-hmm. although I don't think that happens as much as we think, that's such outlandish behavior that it really stands out. And it really can destroy somebody's psyche because they're fragile to begin with. Yeah, it's interesting because if I think about our clients at the center, I would say the vast majority engage in that behavior. And yeah. to differing degrees. Isn't that, to differing I don't degrees. know if it's local, you know, or if I just happen to, you know, people hear about my groups and they want mm-hmm. to get healthier, you know, so I'm getting more of the cream yeah. of the crop. I don't know. But I well, just, I think it's, there's a difference between entering recovery and what's gone on prior and then what you're doing yeah. once you're in recovery. Those are two really mm-hmm. different states. And the partner, you know, the ad, the addicted person might be really working their program, really working on rigorous honesty, et cetera, but the partner is still sort of reeling over, you know, 15 years of lies. And so I think it... I think they're in very different places often on that issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me just ask you, since you have a different experience, and many of my colleagues mm-hmm. do too, um, mm-hmm. you, why do you think men develop such horrendous um, coping and life skills that they would manipulate like that and gaslight and control and deceive I mean, we all know sex addiction is about deceit, so that's inherent. But we're talking about people that can't hold themselves accountable and don't know when enough is enough and to, to make changes. Why do you believe that is? Well, I don't think it's limited to men. I see a lot of female sex addicts who are champion gaslighters as well. <laughs> so okay, good I point. Do think, I think, I do think it's both genders, and I think it really does stem out of the addiction. I think it is about protecting protecting the drug, you know. It's about making sure you don't get caught. It's about making sure this this double life gets to stay intact. And, you know, for when I think about the addicts that I work with, they have the same attachment issues going on. And they don't want to lose their relationship, most of them. I mean, some of them don't care and walk away and all that kind of stuff. But the majority of the people that we work with, because we're known for working with the entire system, want to save their relationship. And so the idea that if they, if they get caught, they would lose their family, they would lose their spouse, et cetera, puts them in a real attachment dilemma. And I think that is sort of the source of all the lying and the manipulation. It's about I don't want to lose things. I have an attachment dilemma. I am attached to my to sex, and I'm attached to my spouse, and I want to keep them both. Right. And, and so I'm going to go ahead and lie and manipulate in order to keep the sex and also to keep my spouse at the same time. So I, I don't see that many clients where there is, I mean, you occasionally get the client where there's actually sort of a malicious intent to the gaslighting, but most for most people that is not the case. They're in like a survival mode around, around their own attachment issues with the addiction and the spouse, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So now we've talked about attachment trauma and we've talked about emotional and psychological trauma. Tell us about that third type of trauma, sexual betrayal, and and how do betrayed partners experience sexual trauma? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, across the board, every partner I've ever worked with in the world, you know, their sense of um, body image, self-image takes a humongous hit. And I think for most people, there's a sense of, you know, comparing themselves to the the person that their spouse has betrayed them with or the person that their spouse has betrayed them with. And there's a, you know, finding that you feel, finding that you are somehow less than that person or feeling rejected or unwanted. So I think for a lot of partners, 
there's a real um, blow to their sense of desirability and um, being accepted by their spouse, by their partner. So I think that's a piece of it, of the sexual trauma. And then I think, um, you know, different things can happen on this. Like, for example, for, for couples who are sex addicted, one of the things that I see, who are dealing with sex addiction, one of the things that I see is the addicted person's sexuality can kind of become the organizing force in the sexual relationship. And so the partner often will start to sort of lose their own sexual voice in the relationship. And that can look very different different ways. Like it could be the relationship sort of revolves around the addict's sexuality in the sense that they're not interested in sex with their partner because they're acting out outside of the relationship. Or it could revolve around it in the sense that they're always demanding sex from their partner and they use their partner to actually act out with. It can look really different ways, but it can become sort of this organizing force, and then the partner really loses their own sense of their own sexuality, their own sexual identity, who they are, their own preferences, even just being connected to their own libido and sexual desire can really go missing for partners. So it shows up different ways for different people. You know, there's lots of different flavors to that sexual trauma piece, but most partners have some form of damage that has occurred to their sense of who they are sexually and their sexuality. Well, that makes sense, and certainly we see a lot of sexual anorexia as a result of sexual addiction. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. a lot of men try to control their sex addiction by shutting off their sexuality and that only works for so long, and obviously mm-hmm. if that person has a partner, the partner is wondering what is going on. Mm-hmm. So I get that. Now, the, all these issues are complex for sure. How can partners begin to heal from betrayal trauma? You know, what do you think the first steps are? Well, I think it's a lot of the stuff we talked about, like in terms of the naming it and creating an alternative secure base and putting yourself in community and having social connections. But then I think, you know, once you've got sort of that stuff in place, then I think the process is really helping partners move out of the powerlessness of trauma into a state of empowerment because trauma is all about feeling powerless and trauma turns into post-traumatic stress and things when the powerlessness just goes on and on and on, you know, and you can't escape it. And so moving out of powerlessness into a state of empowerment, not power over, but a state of empowerment is huge for partners and helping them do that. And so I think under that umbrella comes everything from, you know, teaching them how to set boundaries, how to ask for what you need, how to use your voice effectively in the relationship, how to um, re-engage your vulnerability when it's time, you know, with your partner. All those things like skills and tools give partners a sense of empowerment that they get to now choose their path and how they are going to move forward in the relationship and for themselves. And it helps them move out of that sense of, you know, just sort of devastation that has occurred to them for them at the beginning and the powerlessness that comes with that. So I would say that that encompasses a whole lot, obviously, but I but I think that's kind of the big concept to me that I think about when I think about what do you do for betrayal trauma? How do you help with betrayal trauma? And so let's talk about your website for a minute. Again, that's www.partnerhope.com. You've said that you're hoping that this site will actually walk partners through what Mm -hmm. they can do to get healthy. So tell us a little bit about that site. What will they see when they uh, pull it up? Well, someday, someday soon, hopefully, what they will see is um, what I've done is I've developed six phases that partners walk through. And 
so it starts with devastation and goes to flourishing. And associated with each of these phases are going to be tools, resources, webinars, podcasts, all this, all this stuff to help people work through and deal with the, the phase. So the six phases that everything are, is going to be organized around starts with devastation, which is obviously right after you, you know, find out about the betrayal and you feel like your entire world is sort of falling apart and you are devastated and your relationship is devastated, et cetera. So that's phase one. And so there's going to be tools and resources for that. The second phase is realization. And that's really, I think for a lot of partners, that's when they start to realize, oh, like this is what's actually going on. Like, so I think for a lot of people, when devastation occurs, they think, oh, okay, he's had an affair or, oh, okay, he went and saw a prostitute or, you know, they think in terms of single events or current events, and then they start to find out, you know, the entire enchilada, like uh, everything that has actually happened and the scope of the problem. So realization is really about realizing here's what's really going on, here's, here's understanding addiction, what it is, and also the realization of, oh, this is what it's going to actually take to heal from this. Because I think that's also a big aha for people to go, oh, I'm going to have to go through a real process here. So that's that phase. The third phase is stabilization, and that's when people start to get the tools on board and start to feel like they're able to manage their trauma symptoms a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so those are the first three stages. And then things sort of shift. And the last three are reimagining. And this is when I think for a lot of partners, you know, once everything has sort of fallen apart the way it has, they have to figure out how to build a different new life. You're never really, you're never going back to the way it was before. And you're never going back in your relationship, and you're also not going back personally in terms of who you are. And so this is the phase when people start to reimagine what they might want life in the future to look like for themselves how they might go forward, what they would want a relationship to look like, what would they want their own life to look like. And they also start to look at how did I even get to where I am today? They start to resolve and work through some of their trauma issues. All of that happens in the reimagining stage. And then creating is where you start to really create that new life for yourself and do that for yourself with your partner, et cetera. And then flourishing is hopefully where you end up in terms of you've created a new and different life. You've walked through the process of healing from betrayal trauma and you're living in this new life with all the tools and all the gifts that you received as part of the process of healing. So the site's going to have those six phases with all kinds of stuff associated with each one. Absolutely. And and you are in the process of writing a book. So tell us what, what we can look forward to by the end of the year. Yes. So I'm also writing a book. It's, uh, the book is going to be specifically for partners of sex addicts. Partner Hope kind of deals with betrayed partners regardless of what has happened. The book is really for partners of sex addicts, and it really looks at this idea of complex betrayal trauma and, uh, you know, goes through that then it and then it also looks at okay so what does the trauma mean for you in terms of what's happening what kind of symptoms you're experiencing etc but then it also then from there it looks at when we go through trauma one of the biggest things that happens to us is trauma tells us lies about ourselves you know it tells us lies about who we are about whether we are lovable whether we are worthy Um, whether we are allowed, you know, in our lives, all this different, all this different stuff. And so it looks at what are the lies that betrayal trauma tells women about themselves and who they are? And then how do you, how do you deal with those lies? What do you, what do you do to not um, have those lies dictate your future and not live out of them, but instead live out of truth and your true self? So that's, that's sort of the quick over, overview of the book, so I am working on yeah, it. Yeah, that sounds exciting, and I, I hear a lot of kind of post-traumatic growth that come come out of that yes. book. Yes, exactly, exactly, yep. 
Okay, well, let me remind my listeners that we are talking with Michelle Mays, who's the founder and clinical director of the Center for Relational Recovery. They have offices in Virginia, Leesburg, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Michelle has over 16 years of experience providing individual couples and group therapy to those struggling with sexual addiction and partner trauma. And so her center works with the entire system, and that makes it a little bit different than other centers. And, Michelle, mm-hmm. I applaud you on that because I think that is so yeah, important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add before we end for tonight in terms of people that are, I said, you know, obviously this show is geared towards partners today, but I also said if you're a sex addict, listen to the show because you always need to develop empathy. And what Mm -hmm. you've talked about today are the three types of trauma that partners Mm -hmm. can go through and need to rebound from in a healthy way. So anything you want to add? I don't, you know, I think the only thing I would add is just that I think at the beginning, when you're at the beginning and you're in devastation, it feels like, um, you know, it will never get better. It feels like your life is over. And I think one of the biggest things that I really want partners to know is that the process of healing and the process of healing from betrayal trauma you are going to get gifts that you get to keep for the rest of your life. And they will change your life. They'll change your life in unbelievably good ways. And that that will happen in the process as you go through it. And so just to have that hope that as you walk through the process and if you will walk through the process and make good choices for yourself as you do it, your life is going to change and it's going to be amazing down the road. Okay, hence the site Partner Hope, because you've just left us with a lot of hope. Michelle Mays, thank you so much, and continued success, and let me know when the book's out, and we'll talk with you again. All right, well, thanks so much, Carol. I appreciate it. Absolutely, and you have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was Michelle Mays. Obviously, she has made it her mission to educate Um, sex addicts and and partners to empower them and help them change so that they feel good about themselves and uh, can make a difference in the world. So I so appreciate you listening to me. Now, if you want to make a difference in, in our world, I have a book called Sexual Addiction, Wisdom from the Masters. It is 12 chapters based on previous radio shows that I've compiled and edited. And uh, Patrick Carnes is in there, Alex Katahakis, Ken Adams, uh, Claudia Black. I mean, we've just got some renowned people in this book. And I'm plugging it because I created it at my expense to donate all the proceeds to AFAR, A-F-A-R, which is the American Foundation for Addictions Research, specifically sex addictions research. And so if you have a loved one with sex addiction or if you are a sex addict, this book can be um, ascertained on Amazon as an e-book, you know, a downloadable e-book, or you can go to my website, Sex Help with Carol the Coach, and get it there. And what's so important is that all proceeds go to AFAR. And if you want an autographed hardback copy, well, it's really a spiral-bound copy of Sex Addiction Wisdom from the Masters, just go to my website and order it there, and I will mail it out to you and uh, inscribe it to you, and you'll be helping out a field that is relatively new. You know, we're all pioneers in this, whether I treat an addict or the addict and his partner alone are for the first time in their lives talking about this illness and getting the help that they deserve. And this is a new field. Help us 
to get more research to know how to help addicts and their families. I again go to my website, Sex Help with Carol the Coach, and asking for the the hard copy or ordering the ebook. All right, over and out for tonight. Listen, everybody, make it a great week, and thanks for listening. And go to my YouTube channel where I have many videos for addicts and partners alike. Uh, you'll get to see my little dog, Boo. We'll see you next week for more Carol the Coach. And uh, as I say at the end of every show, there'll only be one of you for all time, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Have a great night.